0: So to the Hoop Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Deon, joined as always by my host, Mitch. Recording here Friday evening, March the 1st. Mitch, how you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm doing fantastic. We're now in the fourth dimension of content creation. That being visual, audio, sensory, and taste. So now we're coming at you on all planes and you'll finally be able to see my beautiful face with the fits. And Mr. Sherman as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, big moment for the podcast. Finally on video full time now. Uh, having some some issues with my mic, so I do sound a little bit different for today. But we'll get that straightened out very shortly. So, uh, yeah, very big episode. Uh, let's yeah, let's just get that out the way. You see a lot of that uh <laughs> on this podcast going forward. Um, a lot of great stuff from Mitch. I'm I'm very excited actually. Um, about this this new day for the Hoop Journal podcast. So, um, I want to start with uh. Another uh, organization, if you will, that's uh, got a new look. The Clippers are rebranding. They are still going to be the Clippers, but uh, they've got a new logo, a slightly different color scheme, moving more towards uh, a, a darker navy blue rather than the sort of brighter blue that they had going on with the bright red. Um, like you said before we started recording, uh, I guess not that many people realize that a Clipper means a boat. So as yeah, you can see yeah. in the logo, it's, it's sort of like, you know, a boat in the middle there. Uh, what were your thoughts? This I feel like this came out of nowhere. For for a team to announce a rebrand in March is is not really that common. This is usually an off-season thing, but what was your first thought when when you got the a chance to see it?
1: So my first initial thought uh was obviously um Palmer doesn't fuck around. Dude wants the culture to be good as well as like actual, you know, winning environments. And what better way to do that than kind of like relaunch yourself with your big three that you've got, like front and center. So first of all, I love you Clippers fans because they were like, why is there a boat in the logo? Why Why is there some sort of like old-timey boat? It's like, well, first of all, a Clipper is a 19th century merchant ship. Uh They were sailboats. So a uh, little knowledge dropped on you. But secondly, I kind of dig it. It's one of those things where it's like a perfect example of going too modern and too nuanced would be the Utah Jazz logo. Yeah. They
0: hate, went, they went from
1: they went yeah. from oh okay music no keeping the funky jazz theme and then they were just like hey uh monochromatic inventive we're modern now we're, yeah. we're, what, we're if, digital. what if we went from, yeah what if
0: we went with just highlighter black and white those were our colors yeah wouldn't that so be cool
1: i like the idea of this clippers kind of rebrand because not only does it come with a new colorway not only does it come with a kind of a new like thematic vibe to it it also kind of pays like like a little bit of homage to kind of like the older school jerseys because of the the solid block blues and reds that come mm-hmm. along with it. It's no yeah. it's no longer more of this like weird kind of like soft echoey tones of colors. It's more like this is this is the the default hue blue and the default hue red, and right. we're just going to be slamming it on a jersey with a boat on it now. So I, yeah, I I've it. always I've
0: always felt like the the Clippers colors in this era is like a just a knockoff Pistons or a knockoff Sixers. Like yeah. it's just like that generic red and blue, like you said. Um, so, yeah, I like that they're going back to to more of a navy blue look. I think the logo itself is cool. Like they have like part of it looks like a sea for Clippers. Part of it is obviously a boat. Um, so I like it. it does look a little bit like busy, though. Like it's not, it's, it doesn't strike me as like an iconic logo. Like you think of like the Heath logo, like you see that. No, see- this was, this was definitely
1: that. designed by a, uh, a second year liberal arts major <laughs> who, who put it into like an AI generative thing and then just made it more smooth and then gave it to mm-hmm. them. And Bomber was like, this is heat. Like I like the alternative ideas for the logos. Cause like they, they have basically like a four staged logo. Um, they have their minimalist ones that are going to be on like, you know, lanyards and cups and merch stuff, like the little patch, um, their full ship one is busy because it's like all of the elements at once. It's like, come on, man. Like we're, it, it it reminds me very much of like, um, and this is going to be kind of crazy for you. Uh, you old school Ratatouille fans when, when Remy's friend takes a bite of the cheese and then the grape and he goes. And he goes, I'm getting something like it's like that, right? Where you're like, you know, on their own, (laughs) these elements are fantastic, but not all combinations are good when you, you know, sink your teeth into them.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right. And and you can see like part of the ship is also a basketball as well. So a lot of a lot of cool elements involved in the logo, but um, yeah, kind of busy overall. And it got me thinking, though, like, are there any other teams out there that maybe uh, it's time for a rebrand for them? And I have a couple of names here. I'm interested to see what you think about them. But uh, the first team that comes to mind when it comes to rebrand, and I think it makes perfect sense given the current like state and direction of the franchise, and it's the Brooklyn Nets. This is a team that at one point in time, I felt like, you know, when they were in, in New Jersey, they had like a pretty solid color scheme going on. They also had the navy blue with, you know, some accent reds going on. Um, you know, I think back to like Richard Jefferson in those days. Um Solid jerseys. Like, you know, nothing wrong with it. But this whole, like, the black and white with gray thing, I mean, it, it's a perfect uh representation of, like, their current state of the franchise because no one cares about them and they're directionless. But I don't know. it, it It's the type of team that just needs, like, some pop. I don't, I'm not a really a big fan. Like, it works for the Spurs. That's kind of their thing. It, it works. It works for, like, the Raiders. But the Nets just being a black and white team, like, I I don't know. It's just boring. And their logo is, is no better. You know what I mean? It's just It's just Nets with like, you know, a crest sort of shape, yeah. you know, nothing really going on there. So th- that's one for me. Like that, that's the obvious choice. I think.
1: I agree with that. And it's quick little side tangent, shout out booming basketball, Nate Tay. I got the Twitter fingers on lock when he had his Macal Bridges segment uh, referring to him. Yeah. As I a called him a role player.
0: player. Crazy work. Um, Crazy
1: so work. Um, yeah, I think the same idea of like launching, not only just a new logo, but a new brand idea for the Nets um whatever happened to that clean cream and red and blue colorway they had in like the irving days Mm. like that dr j og like home jersey like bring back those kind of like fun ideas and i'll even go as to say the richard jefferson and jason kidd era where it was more like a graffiti style gray and black where it almost had like kind of like it looked dirty almost like it had a little bit of grunge to it that is something that you could just easily be like hey uh we're bringing back like the new Jersey theme. Like we're going kind of like back that direction. You don't have to like, you know, reinvent the wheel, but okay. the idea that there's only like, you know, here's your, here's your monochromatic uh, jerseys. Here's your terrible city edition here. No, no offense to them. Like, do you remember the D'Angelo no, Russell era? They're,
0: they're offensive. They're, they're offensively. The,
1: the D'Angelo yeah. Russell era city jerseys with the technicolor inline mm-hmm. seams Yeah, that, that cooked. That was cool. that cooked. Why cool. not go more down that abstract aisle? You know, like you could you could have gotten really crazy with it and been like, all right, here's some patchwork, you know, like. But instead, they were just like uh, black and white uh, aisle six. And uh, all <laughs> of our players are now minimum wage workers and uh, they're uniform. And we want everybody to realize that our entire identity as a team is is ben simmons as a whole Being their, their their logo is you know the ben simmons of logos
0: yeah. yeah that's yeah that's a great way to put it and yeah i forgot about um forgot about those light blue jerseys like the, i think of like draws and petrovich when i yeah
1: f- yeah yeah um yeah,
0: yeah those, those would be great if they went to those like a full-time like that baby blue sky blue with like the red accent i think that'd be great i'd be all for it anything besides just black and white black white and gray is just it's just awful like even like we'll touch on this first quickly like they have the sort of like the fiesta thing going on that, that was more like a primary thing in like the 90s they do you know dabble with that every so often so they get they get a pass they're also the spurs they get a pass That's fine but the nets yeah they
1: just, got Wemby. they can't make a mistake yeah, yeah
0: the Spurs they have history and they currently have Wemby. they're fine they don't have to you know they don't have to rebrand but the nets i mean it, just look at you know the way that you know the team is right now just the state of the team like this is usually the point uh in, in sort of like the rebuild retool thing where you do drop some new uniforms so yeah um it's not uh,
1: mikhail's fault by the way
0: yes it's not correct. his fault correct that man is not a. Role anybody player. out there no. who
1: is like oh mikhail bridges is a role player first of all i wasn't going to post like this little comment so he uh booming basketball love nate he's a very like really well educated guy but he he brought up usage a lot so what i wanted to be like Hey, do you know who also shares the same or greater amount of usage than Mikal Bridges? And names like Jordan Clarkson, Kyle Kuzma, Colin Sexton, RJ Barrett, like those are the class of people that you're you take Mikhail Bridges over indefinitely. Right, right, and, right. and and to say, first of all, Mikal's not even the number one like usage player on his team. It's Cam Thomas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like Mikal Bridges was getting people like up out of their chairs last year, being like, oh my god! This guy's a phenom! And now this year, because he has to carry even more, it's a bad thing? Like, come on. Come yeah. on.
0: Yeah, Mikael is not the problem. Uh, shout out to Nate, though. Shout out to Nate. Uh, what's another team? Do you have one in mind that you think maybe yes. a refresh?
1: Okay, so like, the immediate cop-out is like, you know, say the Jazz, but, right. yeah, they just I, I'm going to say something a little promiscuous, and I think people are not going to like it. I think the Chicago Bulls need to do something Ooh. in terms of
0: wow. change,
1: changing up. People I know, not okay, gonna like okay, that. okay, listen, oh, wow. listen, listen, listen.
0: Damn, that's an iconic one.
1: It It's iconic and historic, but right now that is not the representation that they're, you know, kind of giving out to their fan base. Have they what, ever they're, changed it? what they need to do, and I know this is going to be kind of crazy. They need to do that crazy, like, jump it to the next level of, like, not minimalism, but, like, make it, like, kind of, like, so abstract. Like, give me, like, a a, a quadrant block uh, Zodiac bull head as the Chicago Bulls' new, like, logo or something. Give me something crazy. I want to see them do, like, you know, a jersey with, like, the horns coming up to the shoulders or something crazy because, like, it feels so stagnant. I don't like staring at the same jersey that I had to watch Steve Kerr Pop threes in like, to my knowledge, there has been no significant alteration, altercation to the Chicago Bulls logo and their jerseys, other than like you know the color, the types of red that they've used. Yeah, I'm
0: not seeing anything. I'm, yeah, they've had the same logo since 1966, which I believe was their first season. So, yeah, it's been the same logo. Um, I get it. I understand. But don't say thing, for a...
1: nostalgists. Don't say because it's an iconic. <laughs> It, it is Cavaliers. It, it's the the same. Of, shut up!
0: It's on the same. To me, it's on the same tier as like changing the Celtics or the Knicks or one of those logos. Like it, it's too iconic. There's too much history behind the logo, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. To be honest with you, I think it's a great logo. I don't know. I, I get stale. it. It's an out there pick. I like that you picked it. Real. it. Really made me think about it. Stale is maybe the right word though. I'll, I'll give you that. But uh, I don't know. I'd maybe like to see them come up with an alternate logo because they don't have any of those. Most teams have alternate logos. They really don't. Um So maybe that, but you can't get rid of the bull. No, nah, I, I think the bull is too iconic. I'll
1: you tell you at least you could take the bull and like, make it like, you know, a little more like kind of like out there, like yeah, an alternate logo, kind though. of thing. But I don't know. All right. All right. All right. What's your, what's your, what's your pick? i tell you. yeah. You want
0: pick? to know what's not an iconic logo? The Atlanta Hawks. They have the most generic seventh division of England football team logo I've ever seen. It's just. A generic looking hawk, and then it's the circle and it says Atlanta Hawks Basketball Club or whatever on it. It's awful. I honestly, I don't really like uh, the bright red either. I think like the McDonald's looking colors could maybe use like a refresh. But yeah, the logo just sucks. It's so boring. It's so that
1: logo was the hardest. That was yes. peak Atlanta yes. logo
0: right there. Al Horford days. Yeah, they were doing just fine. Whatever they got going on now, it's just so i can't i can't put my finger on it it's just boring it's just bland it's basic there's no there's no like uniqueness to it you
1: they know, also have a monochromatic version of that same, like the like the one that they have that's a circle right now right. so it's like their their alternate is just a black and white version so like mm-hmm. realistically it's another one of those things where it's like if you could just capture kind of like the renaissance version that you had before just modernize it like there's a whole bunch of teams that could do that. like, like you could do that. Cleveland could do that. Toronto could definitely do that. Oh, yeah. Like Atlanta is one of those teams where you you look at that and you're just like, Oh, I remember that uh, logo from Fiverr. Somebody threw together for $5, like change it up, man. Especially yeah. with what's going on when you might not even have Trey on your team next season. Like, yeah, like- if
0: Trey's gone, they absolutely have to rebrand. Absolutely. That's a perfect time. Um, I also think the Pistons fall into this category of having a super boring logo. It's just like the super simple just circle, whatever. I don't know. I mean, the pistons uh have had ton- tons of great logos in the past, like things like the Grant Hill era, where it was like actual like pistons, like car pistons kind of thing, and that was the theme. Um, so I know it's possible, you know, there's a there's a lot of potential with that, but just currently it's just pretty boring.
1: Well, the, the Mustang with the two exhausts with fire was a great concept. Yeah. You could almost go like a step further and have like the actual piston mechanism in itself like built right. into that. But the problem with that is, is like you, you almost like not to shit on the Pistons because I will shit on them for the rest of this year, but like you, you kind of are at a point where like anything that you do right now would just make not a single like splash in the ocean. Right. Yeah. They relevance. can't do it now. Yeah.
0: Given how the season yeah. is on, they can't, yeah. They can't pull the clippers. People away.
1: would be like, wow. So you're just going to copy the clippers. That's cool. All right.
0: And also, yeah, everyone was saying, oh yeah, you're more worried about the uniforms than the actual product on the court. Yeah. It's definitely got to wait for the summer, but um, just bores me, you know. And uh the last one I would say is maybe the Grizzlies. I feel like the Grizzlies are kind of playing. I like a lot of their jerseys, they do some interesting stuff, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's it's been the same logo for a while. I know it's not that old of a franchise, but I don't know, just not a huge fan, to be honest. It's it's kind of just like plain. it's it's very dark and like it doesn't really pop, like it just doesn't really stand out much. I think Yeah,
1: another example funny. where you could just go back to the basics. There you go. Yeah, that,
0: like, that's a fantastic look. Honestly, and- any. Any of those like late nineties, early two thousands logos, like they were cooking in that era. So
1: And the thing is with with the Vancouver Grizzlies kind of like idea and like the colorway that you could have gone, mm-hmm. like you could you could take it a step further and and even minimize like minimalize the way that you've currently got it. Cause there's been like I kind of went down like a rabbit hole like you could do something like that where the claw melds into like the text oh, that one that one's kind of sick because it's like the the claw swipes into grizzlies like the actual font itself I like that like there's there's so many things that they could incorporate like again i'm going to stick with chicago they can incorporate the bull into the text they can incorporate a bear into the text instead it's just here's a blue bear's face and you go yeah great and, and for a design team that comes out with such cool uh, jersey ideas and colors. Right. Yeah. Where yeah. is that for the actual design of the branding for the team?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's my real issue. They have good uniforms, um but yeah, the logo I think just needs like a refresh. It's just kind of kind of stale. So, yeah, I think those are those are really the only ones that come to mind for me. Obviously, like a Celtics or a Lakers, you can't really mess with those. Um and then yeah, I would love to change the Jazz, but you know, they they just rebranded. They seem to be very happy about it. I remember going to uh, Summer League this past year. And uh, one of like the events that they had, like the NBA Con, I think it was, um, the Jazz, like they have their own like lifestyle brand, I guess they have like sort of a clothing brand that's like tied to the team. Um, wow. and, and I don't know, I, I was talking to you know the rep or whatever that was there, and yeah, he seemed very excited about the rebrand. Talked about the whole organization was very happy about it. So I, I definitely don't think they're they're changing it up anytime soon. But I'm not a fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I would not buy Utah Jazz memorabilia at the moment uh like that that stocked era of like the the actual like purple mountain mountains like, yeah that was great i think if you brought that like nowadays people might not like it as much mostly because it's kind of got that like like the air about it where like that might be seen as like kind of corny like that mm-hmm. might be viewed as like over the top because there's certain things like if toronto reverted back to like the raptor and the purple people might actually be like um like that's past vintage now that now you're like you're kind of grasping at straws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a very because people are so fickle about that kind of thing nowadays. Where you got to really tread the line. And I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I know, think
0: I'm people, like, I think people, I r- really appreciate the, you know, the the purple dinosaur and the the mountains for the jazz so much that if they were to just bring it back again, you'd be like, no, that's that's you know, that's meant to be left over. Yeah, here. Yeah. Like a I thing.
1: mean, clearly, I'm a design expert, so I know <laughs> what I'm talking about. But um, it's 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 really like it's one of those things where like, you know, you can pay homage to it, but if you brought it back as like an actual Jersey full time, people would be like, no, yeah. like that's, that belongs in its past." Yeah, because then at box. that point,
0: then it's not a rebrand. You're just no. rehashing a brand.
1: You're like, like brand. Hey, we're going back to the Huskies. And everyone's like, no, that's cool. Stay there.
0: Yeah. yeah, Yeah, exactly. All right, I'm in a new location. Again, I apologize for the way that I sound, but this will be a one-time issue, I promise. So um, I want to talk now about uh, a few players that we think are going to be uh, maybe on the rise here in the next few weeks as we close out the regular season, as well as maybe some players that, uh, in a sense, we're, we're selling, we're selling on, you know, it's sort of like a stock market segment. So I want to start off with a guy who uh, is in a new situation, has recently been given a new opportunity, and he's done well so far in the eight games that he's played for this new team. Uh, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this, this sort of production the rest of the way. It's one Trey Mann now of the Charlotte Hornets playing 30 minutes a game has started in all eight games that he's played for Charlotte this far. And I will say he because I've always thought that he was someone that could definitely be in someone's rotation outside of OKC. He just, you know, depth chart wise, just wasn't going to get the minutes over there. Uh, and he's been even better than maybe I thought he could have been. Uh, for another team because his his production to this point has been fantastic shooting over 40% from three on over four attempts a game uh, five and a half rebounds almost five assists a game less than two turnovers so he's been he's been really solid for them I I can see him sort of developing into perhaps a six man for them or at the very least a very solid uh, backup option for LaMelo if he can ever get healthy Um, full-time it's been impressive you know obviously the Hornets have I don't want to say turn things around since the trade deadline because, you know, their season is pretty much over at this point, but they've looked like damn near a a brand new team um, in the past two weeks. So, uh, you know, Trey Mann's been a big part of that, and I think he's someone that's going to continue to elevate sort of his stock in the NBA.
1: What if I were to raise you that they already that now they have their Terry Rozier to replacement? Mm, no, I like that. What yeah, if, absolutely. Yeah. What if What if I were to tell you that one of their more lethal combinations is probably going to be LaMelo, Man, and Brandon Miller? What if I were to raise you that potential three-man there of, of LaMelo, Trey, Miller being all serviceable handlers because, you know, obviously LaMelo is going to dominate actually distributing them all. But I do like Trey Mann as more of a kind of like creator for his own offense rather than like a actual point guard. Yeah, like right. it's weird seeing seeing him have like those little like well, like for example, like just off off the rip, a fantastic game against Atlanta, twenty one eight and six with two steals, only one turnover, eighty percent from three. Like I I very much think that he is capable of being that like Terry Rozier kind of replacement. Um, Charlotte as a whole is interesting. Cause like Grant Williams is another guy who like <laughs> bawling out the moment he gets over there. So I don't want to say anything like too extreme, uh, but yeah, no, if you were going to buy any stock on a player, because there are some sites you can do that. Ironically enough, where you buy stocks and players and blah, blah, blah. And there's a bunch of messy bullshit. Trey man would be one of the people that, you know, for pennies on the dollar, that's a return on investment. Like you've never seen in a couple of years from now.
0: I think so. I think so for sure. I like that Rosier comparison. I don't know why I didn't think of that, but yeah, I, I think he could for sure. That's step why I'm into here, that. baby. That's yeah, why I'm exactly, here. Exactly. Exactly. This is what you're here for. So, um, yeah, I, I think that going into next season, it all it all depends on Lamelo's health. Like anything regarding the Hornets' future and them actually going anywhere, it's going to require Lamelo staying healthy. So, assuming At this he can do that, point,
1: though, are we willing to be like?
0: No, we're not willing to assume that by any means, but. That we can't really have any meaningful discussion about the Hornets unless we are assuming that we do have to just assume his health. Um, and in that case, yeah, I do think Trey Mann can, can fill in, uh, like you said, the Razier role. Um, I, I I really like the idea of LaMelo, Trey Mann and, and Brendan Miller, because Trey Mann's not necessarily shooting guard size. He, he's only six three and he's, he's pretty slim. Um, but LaMelo obviously is an oversized guard. And those are two guys that, you know, the numbers aren't going to, call them good defenders by any means, but they show they show the ability. Like, they're not lost on the defensive end. You know, like, Lamella can make plays. He jumps passing lanes. He understands how to play good defense. It's just yeah, more of a consistency a and an effort defender. thing. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, I think Trey Mann is the same way. Like, he's definitely capable of fighting over a ball screen, getting in a passing lane. Like, he, he's not lost on that end. you know what I mean? So, I think those three guys together could definitely hold up as a legit sort of three-man lineup going into next season.
1: Yeah. And you know, to 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 move off of the buying and you know in terms of the selling and blowing up just like your phone, one of the guys that I would probably sell right now, and this is kind of disrespectful, is Bradley Beal for no other reason other than availability.
0: Mm-hmm. His
1: health is and I- do you remember when this trait first happened and you and I were both like, since when is Bradley Beal the pillar of health and stability? Since right. when is he this Iron Man that some fans are like, Yippee! he has consistently missed like 15 to 20 games in his career, missed almost entire seasons with his lower body injuries. But that's besides the point, he's never been a readily available guy. And to this day, people are like, oh, yeah, man, once he gets healthy, once he gets healthy, dude. He's not going to get healthy. Like this is the player who Bradley Beal is. It's 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 off and on and in and out. And I noticed, I noticed that the Nurk take that Karan had actually kind of like substantiated for like thirty games or so, yeah. where it literally was he was pulling down like eighteen boards. He was great screens, rolls to the basket, and like you know anytime they played Aiton, he ate him. But again to the whole idea of availability i'll probably sell on nurk too i mean not that i have a lot of stock in both of them because i'm sort of a bona fide suns hater um i i would say you know if you are one of those people who are like man what are some players on the suns that you know are pretty much like placeholder people Nurkic is a good example of a placeholder like what other? There was no other big for them to immediately slide into that spot, and they got Nurk, and yeah. everybody's like, and then it's like, you know, right? I, not to disrespect Bradley Beal as a whole, because yes, obviously prolific scorer, and while the jump shot has regressed a bit, still a phenomenal slasher. But it, it's it's a matter of consistency and staying on the court. Because I know what he can produce, but you know, just like the Lakers, Phoenix is just a fucking mess. Like, there's so much wrong in terms of like internals and like outside factors that can affect this team that every time I watch them, I'm always like, uh like I, don't yeah, even- I can never, I
0: can never just totally get there with the Suns. I can never fully get on board because they'll go on a winning streak and they'll look really good for a stretch of games, but just they haven't been convincing enough for me to really take them seriously as a contender. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a, a big piece of it, you know, lingering in the back of my mind is that I don't think Beal and Urquich are going to stay healthy. And those are two guys that they absolutely need. As much as I do feel like Beal, like his skill set, obviously he's a very talented scorer at all three levels, but I just feel like what he provides for them is is too much of an overlap from what they're getting out of Booker and, and Grayson Allen, who's by the way, been fantastic this season. It's just like Booker has evolved into a very good and capable point guard for this team, but that's not his natural position. And it's not where you can get the most out of him. And, with Beal in the mix, like he just has to play more of that role because Beal is really not a point guard.
1: No, Beal is legitimately just the worst version of Booker at the two in Mm. every sense of the mean. Like, like if you go down the line, the redundancies are like, it's like if you took a, uh, and shout out to my 2K players out there. It's like if you had a, you know, a pink diamond Booker and then you got the Amethyst version of that same card and it's got worse stats, worse badges. And worse, you know, intangibles. Yeah, and he's three inches shorter. And then you decide to throw the better card out of position. Mm -hmm. It's like, no offense to like, again, I love Booker and I love the idea of Beal. But it's like, you're putting like, you know, it's like icing on top of icing. Like, where's the cake? Yes, exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, because Beal doesn't provide them anything that they don't already get out of Booker and Grayson Allen. Yeah, Uh, He's just an additional scoring talent. But he's not providing necessarily anything new like grayson allen can do all the off ball stuff Devin booker <laughs> obviously can do all the on ball stuff so he's really just an addition but it's not an addition of anything that they don't already have um so that that's really my biggest issue with with them going for him uh th- like this past summer and yeah i'm just worried about his health and it's same with Nurkic because when they made the trade like the nurkage thing i think has been discussed plenty enough like we all have our doubts about you know, Nurkic's value versus Aiton. And obviously Aiden has disappointed uh, to say the least, <laughs> but um, Nurkic, like he, he, the, if he's healthy in the playoffs, like I will be shocked. He's played 55 games this season. Once he plays his 56, he'll, has, he'll have tied his most games played in the season since 2019. It's just, Damn. I don't know. I just don't buy it. Yeah. I, I it's, I, I don't see him staying healthy and without him, they don't have, like it's going to be KD at center again you know so um you know i have my doubts about those two guys staying healthy uh and obviously without them like phoenix's depth is not great so they're gonna need those
1: guys not to keep harping on phoenix because we gotta we're gonna move on to the next Mm -hmm. buying segment but really think about it like really really mull it over for 45 seconds who do they even match up well against with like this like Jokic will absolutely feast regardless, but imagine if Jokic gets to post up against KD. Mm-hmm. OKC will have an absolute field day, yeah, running this team into the ground.
0: Like, I think they could give the Timberwolves some pressure because uh well, I don't know, Jaden McDaniels is a pretty good KD matchup. But and this is what
1: I mean. Like, like there, there's all yeah. of the teams that they would play have great point of attack defenders. That not only that, can outscore Phoenix, pelicans are pretty like, fraudulent
0: no i think the pelicans are probably like the pelicans are not a team
1: night. and this is, no offense to all my nola Pel- nola fans out there they're not if if anything the pelicans are a fun first round matchup to watch i don't put weight in them taking right. any team yeah and i don't know current. i don't
0: know if the suns could match up but maybe like a four or five perhaps if like one of those top four fell out but uh yeah yeah you make a good case it, it's hard to see like the top four in the West feels pretty pretty solidified. As deep as the West is, there, there's a ton of really good teams. But that top four of OKC, Denver, Minnesota, and the Clippers—if that's not the like, second round, like something something really went wrong for one yeah, of those
1: Yeah, yeah, somebody had like an insane upset. Yeah. The Warriors made a ridiculous run with Kaminga. Right. right, right. Um, now to move on to the next segment of buying players, there are some young fantastic players that I'm gonna let Mr. Sherman purchase with his uh-huh. stock because. I'm going to do a little, a little sneaky acquisition. So the, the obvious, you know, point to people is going to be like, oh, you know, Kaminga is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, I would just saw him it was going to be fantastic. You know, uh, you could do Kobe White. That's another buy. But if there is anything that my boy Lucas Burns has taught me, shout out NBA in depth, that the Garland rule, which is never oh, judge yeah. a rookie guard with the first 20 games. I am right now. I'm 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 selling that scented candle over there, and I'm gonna put all of the money that I get from it into Grady Dick stocks. Okay. Because once, and, and 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 this is another great point that I think everybody kind of like has now finally realized. If you are known as like a prolific shooter and a great motion shooter and a great catch and shoot shooter and a great relocation and space shooter once you adapt to the up and down game of the NBA and the space of the NBA, those skills aren't going to like, they just don't disappear. They just get refined and brought to the next level. Right. First 30 games, like Grady looked like shit. Like I would, I would guarantee you that like I could step on the floor and positively impact the game better than Grady Dick did in his first 30 games. Sure. Sure. And, and I will fight the Gillette commercials till the day I die where he's sitting there going like, oh my game is so smooth because of my Gillette only only
0: Canadians are going to understand what you're talking about
1: (laughs) there's a Gillette commercial where it's Gary Trent Jr. and and Grady Dick as like they're getting interviewed and he's just like (laughs) like you know my skin is so smooth thanks to my and then it does like that stupid like my Gillette five five stage razor and the and the smoothing balming cream that they use to it's like one of those chintzy commercials but now that he had his little uh you know hideaway into the dark caverns with uh, Rudy Gobert and Aaron Rodgers. He's come back and looked fantastic. Mostly the shooting it's because like, you know, that's, that's what he was known for was being yeah. a prolific shooter, but it's more or less. If you watch games, the ability to like put the ball on the ground and do a straight line drive to the basket that a lot of other shooters like don't immediately have Yeah, like, for, like, like I know this is not going to sound crazy, you know, The past 10 games, 12 points, two boards and assist, whatever. Those are, those are pedestrian stats at best, but it's the 48% from three and the 55% from the field that are just like, if you watch the games, it's like, Oh, he's actually building synergy with Scotty Barnes. He's in the right spots. And you know, I I did a little did a little silly goofy breakdown of the of some of the clips sent into the basketball group chat. But those kinds of things, where like he relocates without the ball, are happening all the time now. So it's like you know, once that happens, year two and three, yeah. we're looking at a pretty uh, pretty solid starting level guard. Because remember, he's not going to be a wing anymore; he's a two guard now. Yeah, lock it, definitely. lock it in
0: for sure. for sure. Yeah, I was watching I was watching the the Raptors Pacers game the other night. He went four for four from three, and just overall, like like you said, just making a lot of the right plays. Um, just seems to, like you said, it doesn't seem like much now, but you can tell he's sort of laying the groundwork to where in a few years from now he's going to be much more than just a shooter. You know, like he has, yeah. that, um, like the blow by part of it. Like um, guys can't just like hard close out on him every time. He's going to take advantage of that. So. Definitely. He has
1: one of the cleanest up-and-under games I've ever seen. Like, his baseline drives when he does that reverse layup. It's so mm-hmm. – yeah. don't don't kill me. Don't kill me. It's, like, got that kyrie esque to it where it's, like, it, yeah, yeah it goes it's, up it's and then back under. And, and like, yeah. every time I watch it, I'm yeah. like, oh, white he had boy. One in Go, white boy.
0: I forget who it was against, but he had one in particular that was really clean that I can recall.
1: And, and that's as, – as long as – if he can literally keep doing these – Shot fake, drive, pull up at like that 17 foot range. If you can keep doing those, it's like mm-hmm. that's exactly what the offense needs. Yeah. But yeah. who are you going to purchase? Well, no, no. Sorry. I,
0: I want to say, I want to say um on a great dick. I think that's a great pick because he's someone that unless you're a Raptors fan, like I, I don't really think people are talking about him much. He's gone under the radar because he was a late lottery pick who you know, I'll say disappointed early on in the season, was playing early on Hot in the team quite a bit. So yeah, he, he's definitely someone that people aren't talking about now, but I definitely think will you know start start to rise uh in, in in the coming weeks and uh going into next season. So I think that's a really good pick. And you wanted to mention, we don't have to talk about it too in depth, but as a seller to stick on the Raptors, you had you had mentioned Gary Trent Jr.
1: Okay. I don't want to be this guy because you know, Carter and Cole, they love Gary Trent Jr. If you in the, in the history of any time wanted to tell me that Gary Trent Jr. was the worst transition player of all time. I believe you. The dude is so... like To put it into perspective, since, since Barbecue has joined Barnes, Barrett, quickly, that trio formed and it feels like Gary Trent Jr. is like, yeah, bros, let's get it. Let's come on, bro. Let, I'm part of this gang. It's like, no, Gary, no. You're over there. You're coming off the bench. It's just not... He's not a natural, like, transition scorer anymore. Not that he really was, like, a fluid transition scorer, but, like, he floods out. He leaks out into the wrong spots all the time. While well, he could, like, shift into the corner like Grady Dick does, instead he'll hover, like, towards the right side of the wing, and all that does is, like, like for example, a play that had just, just happened as I was watching it. Draymond Green, during a three-on-one, like, fast break, he was able to just completely ignore Garrett Jr. because he was within passing range, like right. to, to jump the passing yeah, yeah, lane yeah. while, while Barnes was coming down the floor. The problem is Garrett Jr. does not give you any space to wiggle. He, he plays like parallel to the ball when he's on transition and he never, never leaks out to the basket. Garrison Jr. And it has made some ridiculously like ho-hum efforts for backdoor cuts. You know, when you're playing pickup. And like your homie fakes backdoor and comes back and you just throw the ball away because you're like you had Lane. He's done that so much. And it's so frustrating because you see quickly be like, oh, oh, okay, I guess I won't give it to you backdoor because you're not actually cutting. So what I want to see, and I know this is terrible, but like if Garrett Jr. comes to the front office and is like, I demand 23.5 million, we'll go. That's cool. We have a rookie who's literally going to take your spot in two months anyway. Right. So uh, go have fun on the Orlando magic or something. Right. Like, be good. Or like, it's just because I feel like Garrett Jr. has been so professional about his like role changes, but hasn't adapted to them. Like he's great yeah. in interviews, but he hasn't actually produced like mm-hmm. on the court. So it's kind of like, you're like, man, you're a great culture fit guy. And you know, you obviously love being here, but like, man, you'd be eating up 24 of Gary or of Grady's minutes. Like, like the fact that Garrett Jr. Plays 32 plus is crazy to me. Like he is literally taking up minutes that, you know, you could have Grady going on like a nice run. Like in the, in the, in the times where they don't split the minutes and it's more heavily catered to Grady. He he puts up like 15 a game and And like Garrett Jr. Kind of is just like, Hey guys, I'm here too. I'm trying to be Jordan Clarkson, but in reality, I'm much more like Killian Hayes. It's, all yeah, right, no, all it's right. it, well. Yeah, I'll I'll disrespect him like that point, and, and and let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. As Raptors fans, we're also fickle with uh like one week we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah and the next week we're like, boo, you can't guard a pick and roll. Yeah, but yeah, I don't Gary, think I don't think
0: you're advocating for cutting Gary. Gary no, Harris. but I crazy.
1: am advocating for him to kind of like ease into a full time bench role, or at mm-hmm. the very least move him to somewhere where he can play heavy minutes. Like hell, go take Gary Harris's minutes, man. Like. Yeah. There's an upgrade.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think the magic is, is a good call there. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say because you mentioned early on, like with the whole the barbecue thing, like he doesn't necessarily fit in. It's felt like two and a half years now where he hasn't really fit in with this Raptors team. Like when he first got there, it was a great addition. And then that that first full season, um, it seemed like things were great. But since then it's it's just been going in the wrong direction. Like last year, 17 and a half points per game. Now he's down under 12. Um just not really i don't know like you said he he's done, said all the right things and you know put on a good face for for most of this but has not really fit in like it's always kind of felt like he's sort of the awkward is he going to start is he the sixth man what is his role really on this team so i i think probably moving on from him is probably the best option uh not only just because of um his fluctuating role and just them just being not really finding a way to, to really maximize them, but also like we talked about, you know, Grady Dick is ready for um, some bigger minutes here in a bigger role moving forward. So um, yeah, Gary Trent junior Grady Dick going in opposite directions. Uh, you know, the, the shooting guard position for Toronto. Uh, I have one that I wanted to talk to talk about uh, for a buyer. Um, it, it, I'm cheating a little bit. So I'm going to go with two people. It's both of the Thompson twins. I, I was going to say uh, just a sore, But honestly, I I think that both of them are going to have a nice uh, finish to the season. The Pistons um, are playing – I can't say they're playing well as of late, but they're playing much better as of late in the past month or so. They're actually, you know, tallying a win here and there. uh, And and they're competitive in most of their games. They got absolutely robbed against the Knicks the other night. Uh, DiVincenzo just tackling – I forget who it was. I think it was Asura Thompson, actually. Um, But anyway – Pistons are, are playing a little bit better and I think it's going to allow for Oscar Thompson to to take a step forward in his game. Um obviously for both of these guys the the three point shot is essentially non-existent. I think they're both like one of them shooting 15%, one of them shooting 17% from 3.
1: They so absolutely have like zilch. Yeah, and,
0: zilch and it's not, not even it's not even like uh the shots aren't just falling cold stretch like they are ugly misses like the type of misses. Like you should not be a a three point shooter. You shouldn't be attempting them. Like it's really bad. Like mechanically things need to change in in that department, but the rest of their game is so impressive to me. Like you only really see it in bursts. I can't really recall one full game where it was like, Oh yeah, he really showed out tonight. But if you tune in enough to the rockets and the pistons, you'll see like, these guys are going to be special. Like they're going to be tremendous playmakers on both sides. And I think we're going to start to see a little bit more of that for the rest of the way. Um, the Rockets are not necessarily in a tailspin, but uh, I posted today 10 and 19 since uh, 2024 started. So I, I think sort of their, their plan hopes are not out the window yet. They could still convince themselves that they're in the race, but they're not going to do anything competitive this season. So I think that should uh, allow for more Almond Thompson minutes. Uh, we'll see what you does. You you know, has been leaning more towards trying to squeeze every win out of this team, but I would like to think that he understands, you know, the state of this team and he's going to lean more into the young guys. So both the Thompson twins, I think, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But both the Thompson like, twins, I think are going I'd to get I'd like opportunity. to
1: think so. Like I would, I would, so. I
0: would, I would like to think so. I'm keeping
1: but I'll raise you this. So What's first that? of all, amen to my boy because he's in the worst situation out of the two, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 For his
0: own sake. Yeah.
1: He is. And I'll say this kind of like bluntly heavily misutilized in the rocket system heavily underappreciated I don't really feel
0: like I don't think anyone's really utilized that well in the rocket system it kind of feels for the most part like a bunch of guys kind of just pushed together all just kind of forced to be on the court at the same time doesn't like like Fred Van Vliet feels like he's totally just doing his own thing like he's just he's attacking the on-ball defender and just kind of just making a play it doesn't feel like he's really you know and I'll
1: raise you though I'll raise you what role do you think Ime sends Eamon out to do What do you think he plays versus what actually happens? Because I can tell you what he forces him to do when he shares the court with Mm Freddie. He sits, he sits on the left side of the way and waits to cash and shoot. It is the most appalling scheme for him to be like put in. If you're going to put him on the floor, you got to make sure Freddie's on the bench because like, it is so infuriating to watch a guy who is, was advertised as an on-ball creator who could dish in the right moments, take it to the basket hard, because first of all, they're both athletic freaks. Like, the Thompson Twins are just high-flying machines. Why aren't they in the dunk contest? Let's be honest. But, for him to be kind of relegated to here, catch and shoot, relocate into space, that's not his game at all. It is like, oh, it's so frustrating to watch, because it's just like, oh my god, there's blips where it's like, Damn, he's taking his man off the bounce, and he's really bringing it to the cup, and then he hits kind of like a nice midi. and then you're like, what's happening? There's another three games in a row where he either doesn't touch the ball, he plays nine minutes, or he gets on the floor and produces, but he gets taken out for a whole third quarter, or he fumbles because he's like, oh, it's I've got 45 feet to shoot, like, they don't really care if I do, and then he jacks it up, and it's bang! Yeah, like clank with the star, it's a little better because he's such like a switchable defender that you're like, yeah you right. know, when Detroit throws him on the floor, you know, he's grabbing like two steals, you know, he's pulling down boards. And there's times where it's like, you know, he'll put up like 11, 7, 4, 3, 2, and 1, and he's all over the place. And obviously it's not efficient and the shooting percentages are abysmal, but he's like not absorbing shots from other people if that makes sense yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. he's not yeah, taking, he's taking seven and a half shots a game yeah 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 so i think in terms of like in terms of like the situations like a source probably like the way better spot for his development yeah i mean he uh, actually uh, he actually starts
0: for them for the most yeah time. and i, mean, I so.
1: but i mean in truth be told i wouldn't want to be in either situation well, for, like, yeah, of
0: course not yeah. like
1: but but You know, Thompson twins are a great kind of like buy because it's like we've seen like the tantalizing like what ifs already. So it's like Hmm. it's a matter of time before you know the age phases out exactly, and they're forced into full time positions.
0: Yeah, exactly. It feels like a matter of time, and that's why I'm I'm buying in now because I see no world in which they're not both extremely productive NBA players for a very long time. You know, like obviously the Pistons and Rockets have a lot to figure out in terms of being productive NBA teams. But as long as, you know, they can at least get to passable, like 16% from three is not going to get the job done. Like something, something's going to have to change in the offseason, Hopefully this offseason. season, um, just so that they're passable, even if it's low thirties, you know what I mean? They just, they can't just be non-existent as shooters, um, but everything else is so impressive. Like both of them, you look at like two point percentage, they're both around like 58%. So um, still capable scorers. It's just, if they're going to be like starter level, you know, borderline all-stars, all-stars, et cetera, down the line, um, it's going to have to be more than just you know attacking the rim. So do
1: you think do you think both of them reach that all star level at some point in their career? Like if the cards are right, you think? Yeah, I, I do. Um,
0: obviously, we'll have to see. Like it'll be, I think, at least you know four, three, four years from now before they get to that level. And obviously, that's that's a long time to projecting you know twelve man rosters. So whether or not they actually make teams, you know, we'll see. But I absolutely see them being the type of player that uh, you know it, I would refer to as all star caliber. You know, like the, the pathway to them getting there seems very clear to me. Like there, there's, you know, hurdles for them to to get there, obviously, like the jump shot. But um, it's not hard for me to envision them becoming star players, for sure. So, right. yeah, I'm definitely, definitely buying in on them. I will say in the short term, yeah, I think asor is better off. Um, he's probably, if you're looking for some short-term games, you can probably uh, bank on asor But in the long term, I think Amin has a higher ceiling just because, like you said, he's built as more of like a, a lead guard, a creator type of thing. So um, we'll see. A- a sword being the better defender, it just gives him more of an opportunity to play right away as, as a rookie. But um, Amen is no slouch on that end either. So uh, in time, once they, I don't want to say realize because I think they already know, but once they pivot from Fred VanVleet being like their, their main guard, um, we'll start to see Amen really take a leap.
1: I can vibe with that. I see that like, in terms of their like, again like because you never predict an entire like five-year career and like like where they're going to end up at that point but you know in terms of like personality wise i think they're both like very like kind of hard-headed defenders and and competitors for the for, for the most part so you, you got to imagine that at some point you see both of them play each other in the all-star game and that's just like a yeah, moment for everybody
0: that would be very cool yeah for sure yeah the, the morris twins they they were uh they they didn't pan out as as all stars so maybe the thompson twins could do it that would be cool do you have any other uh, buyer or anyone else that you're maybe buying or selling
1: um i think my last kind of like for me the idea of like getting a nice two for one is my last buy which would probably be J.G. jackson and vince williams together okay okay i, I think memphis as a whole is in very murky waters Yeah. because so I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Jaron Jackson jr. Is kind of the textbook definition of inconsistent and unstable in terms of can he be on the court when he's on the court, you know what he can do when he's not on the court. Why, why is he constantly having a lower body injury? And you just got jaw back for nine games. And then he goes down again with another lower body injury. So, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, Memphis fans, but you might have a string of repeatable injuries with your two best players. I mean, you, you know, if you like Desmond Bain, call him your second best player. But in my opinion, for you to find any value in any youth that you could possibly have internally, now is the perfect time to do it. And guess what? They've got two great guys and Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams. And now they've got them both on. I don't know how long the contracts are, they're, like what? Official three year? What are they?
0: Well, Gigi Jackson as a second round pick as a rookie, um, he'll have a team option for next year. For next year, that, yeah. that'll be it. Then Vince he'll need Williams a contract. Is... Um, Vince Williams, I'll look it up, but I believe he had he signed a three year deal to, to stick around because three. originally I think he joined the team on a a two way back in the day, but then they uh they locked him up. I'm look at here. No, he signed a four year deal. Four years, nine point one mil. That's an absolute fucking. <laughs> um.
1: Anyways, that's a steal.
0: Yeah, my god. Yeah, so those are good picks. Yeah, Gigi Jackson, we'll get to in a second, but Vince Williams not came out of nowhere because if you were really like locked in, you had heard the name before, um, but came in this season and has not saved their season because it's pretty much lost at this point, but has really given them something that they can, you know, in, in combination with Gigi Jackson, given them something that they can build off of going into next season. Like they let Dylan Burks go this summer, with the idea that you know some sort of combination of jake laravia david roddy and primarily i think Zaire williams would fill that void and become some version of their small forward um that didn't happen all three of those guys as far as i'm concerned not nba players not not not, not i loved Zaire williams coming into the draft i thought he had like really sneaky high upside i just don't think it's going to happen for him he he's productive in moments like I, I think he could stick around and, and be an NBA player for some time but he's not the answer for them at the small forward position uh, obviously David Roddy's already gone and Jake Laravia he might as well be as well um, but Vince Williams has you know really taken the opportunity and now he is the guy that they can feel good about moving forward in that spot um, I think he's absolutely the, the day one starting small forward for next season and Gigi Jackson is pushing for, you know, the starting four spot because he he's been fantastic. Obviously came on very strong. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Obviously came on very strong when he started to finally get an opportunity. I want to say what, maybe six weeks ago or so when he finally, you know, was inserted into the rotation has cooled off, but has still consistently been a factor for them. Definitely someone that they now rely on on, on, on a regular basis. So yeah, I I think those are two great picks. Gigi Jackson to me, Like I I couldn't believe on draft night when he went, I want to say it was 45. I'm going to look at it right now, but um, like this was a guy at one point was the number one guy in his class, you know, and then moved up, reclassified up uh, to get to the league earlier and uh, was, you know, not great in in his freshman year. Had a, had a lot of flaws at South Carolina, but showcased a lot of talent. And I couldn't believe he slipped to the second round, great pickup for Memphis. And now, you know, they, they got another guy. And I say, um, potentially starting at the power forward position. I don't want to say over Jaron Jackson Jr., but given that the Grizzlies, for some reason, traded Steven Adams away, I understand obviously it wasn't. No,
1: JJJ is going to have it. to play the five now. Like,
0: right. That's what I'm saying. I think forward, that's now yeah. that maybe now they're ready to move towards that. And with that in mind, yeah, I think GG is probably the answer at the four. Shout out to yeah. Santa Aldama, but GG, Gigi, GG's really turned it on. So, yeah, th- those are two good picks. Those are guys. I think Gigi's getting a lot of hype. If we had an actual stock market, like, You're not exactly buying low right now on GG, but um, he's definitely someone that next year I I think statistically we're going to see a jump from him as uh, he gets more acclimated into like a, a full time full time role.
1: Yeah, we have decided collectively as a unit after doing some research, finding out that Patrick Williams does not, in fact, have an extension on the books. In my personal opinion, Patrick Williams is not a 20 plus million dollar a year well, hold on. let's let's
0: let's start it off by saying patrick williams is having season ending uh foot surgery so th- that's why we're talking about the bulls and you know their future particularly patrick williams go ahead
1: the idea here is there is no saving grace hail mary blow up trade that the bulls can make that would be like oh, okay this is Kobe White and Patrick Williams' team now. No, there's not a trade out there. Yeah, because even if
0: they do like dump Zach Levine, like you still have Vooch's twenty plus mil, you know, for yeah. the next two years, and you have uh, Lonzo Ball's got a, a twenty one million dollar player option for the summer. Got a feeling he's going to take that. I, uh, I think he's going to accept that one.
1: Perhaps, so, perhaps.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, they, they can't they can't just like let Patrick Williams walk or something, let Demar walk, and then just open up all this cap space for free agents. Like they're they're at one hundred thirty mil without wow. Demar and Patrick. So, um yeah, like like you said, they, they, there's not just like a Hail
1: Mary uh,
0: rebuild trade.
1: So, if Patrick Williams and his agent went to the front office and were like, "Hey, we feel we are worth 22.5 um a year for 3 to 4 years." I would be like, "Hey, don't let the door hitch on the way out." Yeah, that's... Enjoy wherever pays you that money. Because remember... Okay, so he's only 22. He's got, you know, the whole summer to recover and then, you know, lay it out. But nothing that he has shown to me is that, like, kawhi light projection that these fans had for him. I will say, like,
0: the mid-range pull-up stuff is very, like, Kawhi-esque. I will say that. But no, in terms of, like, the actual, like, level of production, yeah, no, it's not.
1: Nothing has pointed to me that I'm, like... Oh, this is a foundational like building block right. for my yeah, yeah. entire team. Like, no, it's, you know, in spurts. Yeah. He's got yeah, nice strong, strong role-player
0: vibes for sure. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah.
1: I am not giving this man 20 plus million mm. a year.
0: No, no, no. Just that... just
1: for the chance that he becomes a very good starter. Right. Like, that re- You have a, you have
0: like some Atlanta Hawks clips. I saw just popped up in the background. It's very Deandre Hunter esque. If you give him 22, 23 million a year, like that's, that could get dangerous very quickly. Um, I, I like Patrick Williams. Like you said, not not the Kawhi light that he was maybe projected to be that made him rise up to number four in the draft when probably should have been like, I don't know, like 15. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you can lose him, though. That's that's the thing. Letting him walk does no good for you because, like we said, it doesn't open up cap space. And he's 22. Like This, this is something you have invested a lot in. Despite the fact that he's having a second season ending injury, I, I don't think you can just like give up on him now, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> These backgrounds. Um
1: it's actually an entire hoops dissection video playing in the back right now. Um, it's just I referred to the evolution of Siakam as Super Saiyan. I see, 3. I
0: see. Okay. For anyone, for anyone who's who's not watching <laughs> and it's still just uh on the audio only for this episode, gonna be very confusing. But uh yeah, Patrick Williams is not someone that they can just let walk for nothing. But yet, yeah, the concept of paying him like four for eighty five or something like that yeah, is it's is very it's, scary. it's
1: ridiculous because it's like to me, you're right. You can't just give up on him. Like you're you're too far down the rabbit hole of like, will Kobe White and Patrick Williams and I O become like? Will the younger guys actually like? produce i guess is like the the real question because like we've been seeing flashes of it but like this is what i mean like like at what point do you just like cut your losses like i i I can't foresee any more of like a a, uh oh shit what do we do kind of move than the bulls like like they're in the nets of like this situation where that's like it's like point to me go to fanspo point to me right now what is the move they make what is an acceptable range of salary it, it that really, Patrick Williams isn't offended by? Is the it, real It should
0: have been. It should have been Levine to the Pistons. They should have found a way to pull that off before he had the foot surgery. Because with his money on the books, and obviously he's a great player, we understand that. But with that much money tied up into a guy who's not like leading your team to like a conference finals, it's just what, what can you do? You know, combine that with with Vuce and Lonzo. Like, there's just no flexibility to build out enough of a competitive roster. Like, I think the Bulls are a solid team. Like, I'm interested to see what they do in the plan, but they they don't have
1: that's such they, a disrespectful sentence, man. They're no, it's roster. the reality of who the Bulls wait. are. I, <laughs> I mean, they're, can't wait to best see best players. They make in the play.
0: Their best man. player is out for the season. Um, they're supposed to be point guard franchise point guard. Obviously, hasn't played in two years um they're a playing team and I, I think that's that's not disrespectful to say i mean the fact that they've even just survived and maintained despite uh all the the lack of of continuity and everything the fact that they've maintained a playing spot i think is is at least somewhat respectable like it's not like they've just completely um just let go of the rope and fall into like the 13 seed you know what i'm saying maybe you could argue maybe that'd be better for them they'd be in a better you watch spot your if mouth that had
1: happened you watch your mouth on how you talk about them low seeds I want, uh, That I want. was not.
0: That was actually not meant to be a shot at the Raptors, but it honestly, it kind of was. They huh? could
1: just go and like lose. Like they could go and be like the Wizards. Like. Well, I don't know.
0: At least I don't know. The Raptors finally made made it clear that that's what they were doing by trading OG. The Bulls have been trying to stay competitive, and and to some extent they have, but they're not. They don't have a path toward like you said, like the the Kobe White IO Patrick Williams thing is not like a path towards like a four seed or anything like that. No. So.
1: As much as I want to like put a lot of faith, in I, that, yeah, I would record, love for it to be like,
0: because those three guys with like Caruso, like they're fun um, on a lot of nights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Drummond. Let's talk about Drummond for a second. Oh boy. He,
1: I know what you're going to say about Drummond.
0: I know, I know that. Uh, like I, I've had my uh, my trash talk with Drummond for his entire career uh, about how half of his offensive rebounds are just him collecting his own misses and all the like defensive numbers don't actually translate to how good of a defender he is. Like the stocks numbers are great, but it's like, you know, is he actually a good defender? Um, But he's been really good. He, he he's, been, especially as of late, but I would say this entire season, he he's been really good. And at the same time, Vooch has taken a huge step back. Like his jump shot has essentially just like disappeared this season. And without that, like Vooch really is not a starting caliber big anymore. And for whatever reason, oh, I, I think the reason is the I contracts but ooh, the minutes discrepancy between Vooch and Drummond, yeah, in the salary discretion, like it's it's ugly. Like Drummond should be starting for this team. Um, <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. Um, but they're so much better when he plays. Like just the energy is different. Uh, obviously the skill set is, is vastly different. It's just a different brand of basketball when he's out there. And I, I'd actually I, I should dive into the numbers more because I don't have them in front of me, but I'd imagine, uh, you know, the plus minus, the on off stuff with with Vooch versus Drummond is probably pretty drastic because every time I watch them, they they look like two different teams.
1: Damn, people are not gonna like that.
0: I don't know, man. I I'm pretty sure you know Zach, resident Bulls fan of the pod, agrees
1: with me. I'm pretty sure he thinks that is better than Vooch too. Remember, Zach is in the one percentile of ball numbers, Of, you're of right. ball numbers. You're right. like fair. the average Bulls fan is going to be like, what? Is he shitting on Vooch right now? It's like, yeah, because Vooch has Uh, been shit. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know.
0: I think I think just like the regular average NBA watcher is gonna think of Vooch as like just like the 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 more highly rated player. But just going off of the Bulls game I've watched this season, I mean, I think I, I think Drummond's been better. I just do. I think he actually provides. Well, like he is one of those guys that like chases blocks and he ends up maybe giving up more points than the points saved from
1: the Yeah, blocks. a little.
0: And same with steals. Like he'll jump passing lanes when, you know, he might get two steals a game, but there might be four or five times a game where he gives up a layup because he doesn't get the steal, that sort of thing. Um but all in all, like I, I, think he provides much more of a defensive presence. Like that's that's the one thing. Like one of the biggest things when it comes to like paint protection, rim protection, is having a presence. You know, like Joel Embiid, for example. And I'm gonna harp on him for a second just because he's an easy, easy target for me. Great defensive presence. Like he's a good rim protector primarily because of the presence that he has just by standing yeah. near the basket. His actual like prowess yeah, when it comes to blocking that shot, shots, not that great, Not that great. Yeah. He doesn't get off the floor very quickly like doesn't have like a huge range in which he can block shots but he's huge and he's very good at patrolling the paint. brooke lopez is an example of a guy who's good at both of these things like just his presence standing on the block will deter guys from from um attempting shots obviously Rudy Gobert is like the pinnacle of this like yeah. the shots that he takes away like the shot attempts that don't happen because of his presence um
1: well hell like chet and Wemby two good examples yeah of yeah them. absolutely just absolutely. just them being in your vicinity makes you double yeah. think like oh shit i shouldn't do this but then they're also insane shot blockers exactly so exactly
0: like, i Drupal think at it least like, like provides more of that like presence yeah. than vooch yeah. does like you see vooch sit in the paint like if you're running a pick and roll you come off that screen and you see fucking vooch sitting there under the basket like you're, you're like i'm about to have paint. a highlight i'm
1: yeah. about to yeah. have a yeah. highlight
0: you you see like like it's 2k like you see like the camera start flashing in the crowd like because you know a highlight's about to happen like versus drummond at least you know he's got a lot more athleticism he will actually contest a shot at the rim
1: verticality um, is his big like the big promise that i'd say
0: exactly yeah so um i think he's got to be uh getting the minutes moving forward and that's that's sort of you know the topic i wanted to get into is what sort of lineups the bulls need to be prioritizing what their best lineups and most important lineups are going to be for the rest of the season given that they still should look to be competitive you know uh there's no reason why they shouldn't try to get into the plan this year and, and have some sort of level of just feeling like you're a competitive team and something, you know, to build forward moving into next season. Um, so what do you think is, like, say, like, their best lineup? What should be, you know, the five guys? You uh, With well, Patrick Williams out, Zach Levine out. Well, I was
1: going to say, now it's hard because, like, I would have said, um, like, you know, Patrick Williams, I like him at the three, I won't lie to you. I'd yeah. like him at the three more than I like him sharing minutes. But right, right. So going forward, the rest of the season, it should be like Kobe, Io, Ale- uh See, Caruso is interesting because, like, at the three, he's way too small. Yeah. Like,
0: I, I don't think that works.
1: But sure. but I don't want to start Dalen and Terry and force him into like. Like, him figuring that out is probably a pain in the ass. So. Mm. I mean, fuck it. Like, you might have to run Caruso at the three and then DeMar and then, like, they're still going to start Vooch. They shouldn't, but they're going to. Yeah. Like, what I would do is Kobe, Io, Caruso, DeMar, and Drummond, but play Dalen Terry a lot more. Yeah. If yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Does that?
0: 100, no, I, 100%. I, th- I think that's absolutely the right call because Dalen Terry isn't really ready for that role. If we're just being honest, like, he's not ready to be a, a starting NBA player
1: no but, but give him provides a lot of what minutes. they need
0: like yeah. they they absolutely need his skill set given he's kind of like the only like Tory Craig okay but um Dalen Terry's kind of like all they got on the wing at this point yeah i was going
1: to say unless whatever. you want to force Julian Phillips to play 20 minutes true so. yeah
0: okay yeah i'm yeah okay D- respect to to Julian Phillips he's had um his moments as well but yeah Dalen Terry is definitely the guy i think they should be investing in on the wing um in terms of you know most of the minutes for the rest of this season Sure, you can throw out uh, Kobe, Io, and and Caruso, and, and run those three guard lineups. Like plenty of teams run three guard lineups in stretches. Yeah. You can do that.
1: But uh, it's a it's a plus that Caruso is one of the best like switch point attack defenders in the right, league. Right, right. Like, of
0: course, and and that's not idea. a slouch either. You know what I mean? No. So, um, it, it definitely works in stretches. They all have decent size four guards. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, but I I think I think you had it right there with uh with that lineup, and then Dale and Terry mm-hmm. getting like most of the minutes off the bench. Yeah. Uh, the Drummond thing, yeah, like he's he's on an expiring, whether or not they even bring him back, you know, after signing him for what I think like half the mid-level or something like that. Whereas Vooch, he's getting paid twenty mil, he'll get paid twenty mil next season. Just like the whole the politics of it, like he's not coming off the bench. It's just not gonna happen. No. Um, but no. at the very least, they need to be splitting minutes. Like Drummond playing eighteen minutes a game or whatever it want gonna check what he's been playing as of late. But just it just it's if they're gonna win games, like he played thirty six in the double overtime game against Cleveland, but Fourteen against the Pelicans, seventeen against the Celtics. Like that's just that's not enough. That's not your best team. It's and just the me.
1: fact that he's eating in those limited minutes is. That's
0: awesome. what I'm saying. That's like, what I'm saying. And we know that, like you know, you can scale up Drummond. We've seen it. We've seen on on so, he hasn't played on a ton of competitive teams, but we've seen him play competitive basketball. It's not like he's only played for the. Remember best, that
1: one year business. when it was him and Blake Griffin. That's a competitive. Yeah, yeah. They were right the eight
0: seed. Got I think swept pretty sure by the Bucks. Um. No like my point is we can we could see him play twenty four or twenty eight minutes a game and we're gonna get the same Drummond. like you'll see a couple more turnovers and a couple more boneheaded plays but um you're gonna get that same production scaled up you know we, we've seen it from him so there's no reason why he should be playing like in the teens every game
1: no I don't i I think the bulls are too married to their um the concept of staying competitive than they then they actually like are like yeah. putting out a competitive lineup yeah because like it is
0: so like sold on this vision of the team from three years ago they have not made a trade in, what was it in, in two and a half years now almost three years yeah so yeah they're they're so bought in on the vision that they sold to fans like three years ago and it's they haven't done anything it's clear it's not going anywhere and honestly, like like we said before, unless it's at a real like team friendly number, I'd like to see them just let Demar walk. Um, and when it comes to Patrick Williams' contract, yeah, the twenty two. I don't know. Like we we talked before we hit record. Like he has got the qualifying offer for what twelve point nine. You said,
1: yeah, like that's that. The that to me,
0: me is like that's his market. Honestly, I, I think yeah. I, if teams. if he
1: gets more than that,
0: yeah, so, I, I'm, somebody
1: I'm, has like fumbled at a head office level because that's yeah, just like ridiculous to me.
0: And I know people people will say, oh, well, Rui Hachimura, he got 17 mil, or this guy got this much. That that doesn't really concern me. Like someone else getting a bad contract doesn't justify someone else's new bad contract. So to me, like he he's in the range of like, let's say over over a four-year deal, call it 50 to 55 mil. I think that's probably a, a comfortable number. Maybe toss in like the 2024 tax, this like the the cap is going to go up so you have to give him more kind of thing current market conditions. Give yeah, him
1: games is played incentive.
0: That yeah, that's probably something they should they should include in there because um like like we talked about two season ending injuries. Obviously there's not a ton of this season left. He missed basically all of his second season. But yeah that that's definitely a concern. Um played 82 last year to be fair though. Um but yeah I, I don't know. I, I think he's a very strong role player, someone that can be a piece of the future, but you can't give him like core building block type of money. That's just no. that that's just too dangerous. And then now you set yourself back once again. like th- this team has already been sort of spiraling, not spiraling. I will say like like rudderless, just kind of just moving like just running in place kind of thing.
1: They're a and- sailboat in the middle of the Atlantic, and there's a light breeze that's pushing them and they have no idea where it's pushing. Yeah. Them, they don't know which direction like...
0: they're pushing, but they're, they're moving. Um, Yeah. So I, I think trying to like clear house as much as you can is the direction, you know, like seeing if you can get off of Zach Levine, but given the injury is probably not until next season. Shout out to Hoops Dissection free advertisement. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The point of this conversation is uh, the, the bulls are in a tricky spot. Because they they have assets in DeRozan and Patrick Williams that that they would, in theory, you would think keep, but is it really going to be their best best course of action? I, I'm really not sure. Um, for the for the I sake of long term vision,
1: yeah, for the sake of their competitiveness for the future, a reset's got to happen. Yeah, it's just a matter of like how that reset comes about because mm-hmm. their their window, like you said previously, was Levine to D- Detroit trying to figure that out. Yeah, I think I've said this multiple time. times.
0: Like the vision that they had with Lonzo in the fold, like I was a believer in that. Like it's not foolish for them to think that that was a good basketball team that could have been very competitive. But it's just clear that they that they're never getting back to that. It's just not happening.
1: Yeah, I think that is the unfortunate reality. Yeah, and going forward, and I think if you, if, if you can convince yourself that there is a world where you know you roll out that Kobe White, that I O, that Patrick Williams lineup, and you. Get a competitive basketball team Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you go ahead and believe in that vision
0: right and and see what it does for you i mean next year you know lonzo will be on the final year of his deal uh vooch will have one more year after that so maybe you know you just you have to eat it next year and just um just play your guys and see what you have again next year and just hope for the best and then after that um you know then then they can start to clear a little bit of of money there It becomes a lot easier to to open up some flexibility and maybe Levine becomes more tradable at that point, he can you know sort of uh rehab his value. <laughs> this we, we gotta the do video, kind of videos, man. I don't know, listen, I don't know how listen, we're gonna do this. Listen, um,
1: I would just like to say that once the uh once the TikTok starts taking off to the moon with this oh, content, yeah, I'm gonna have so many cursed things going on behind me. I'm gonna have a slideshow of every single hoop journal post that he's ever made in his entire life just okay. going up like this. And I'm going to sync it to some sort of music. So the music is not going to come through, but it'll be rhythmic as it comes behind me. So everybody's going to be like, oh, I like the fuck! Like, I like this. Like, this is what this is what the people want. This is what they need to see. My oh, green man. screen content to the moon, baby. To the moon.
0: The, the, the potential, I mean... It's sky high. The, the possibilities. Right. Look
1: how cursed it is with the window. Of the bed. Like this Yeah, is- there, there's
0: some tweaks. This is this is episode one, to be clear of. of this is the pilot. If
1: you can buy into the pilot, exactly, please, we'll exactly. get we'll this get that Manscaped you know, sponsorship.
0: Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Just work with us here. We're working out the kinks for sure. But that should do it for this one. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. If you did watch this one, um, if not, make sure to check it out on YouTube. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. Honestly, I mean, we'll see Mr. Sider's availability, but we could be back in less than a week with another episode because I'm very excited to to sort of work out the kinks here and see what we could do. So, um, again, thanks for listening, and I hope everyone has a great weekend.